Welcome to Chicana and Latina Moms Podcast. This is our podcast. Un lugar donde hablaremos sobre la salud mental, cultura, como chicanas and Latina moms. La importancia de self-love, self-care, self-compassion. Y el recordatorio que somos chingonas. Y que esta es una revolución y una evolución para crear la mejor versión de nuestro ser. Because we can. Because calladitas, no more. Hey, my Chicana and Latina sisters, please do not forget to leave a review and give me your feedback. I would really appreciate it. This also helps other new listeners know what we're about. Gracias. Hola, Chicana and Latina moms. ¿Cómo están? Espero que estén muy bien. Thank you so much for clicking at here, your podcast, um, Chicana and Latina Moms. My name is Amapola Ramirez. I am a therapist, I'm an advocate, a wellness coach, and a mother. <laughs> First of all, a mother, right? First, a mother, and then everything else. Um, but I don't want to ever lose my identity, and I hope you don't either. That's one of the things that I have learned in my life, that it's like, The days I feel like I'm losing myself, I am so like disconnected with my being. And I encourage you to not lose your identity as a mother because it is very, very, very easy to do that when we are um, in a very ongoing routine, when we numb and we have to be very, very careful with that. But other than that, today I have a beautiful Chingona guest speaker. Her name is Diana Diaz, and we are going to talk to you, or she's going to talk to you, about how to be a successful chingona entrepreneur, and she's going to share her story, and she's going to give um, these tips so that you could also be a chingona entrepreneur, because se puede, todo se puede, and we have to learn from one another, and we need to inspire um, one another and empower each other. Um, porque calladitas no more, and because we're capable. We're mostly damn capable of creating big things. So let's get started, and let's, I'm so excited, <laughs> let's hear um, Diana Diaz and how to be a successful chingona entrepreneur. Les invito, on YouTube, you can see this interview at Chicana and Latina Moms podcast channel on YouTube. Diana Diaz is a single mother born and raised in East Los Angeles. She is a daughter of Mexican immigrants that introduced her to the world of street vending. These intersectionalities inspired her to create Mexican crafts the first Chicana luxury leather brand from East Los Angeles. This fashionista activista pays homage to her cultura with exclusive and colorful designs that inspire alegría. Diana has been interviewed and showcased in Telemundo, Un Nuevo Día, and by Megan Tellez and KTLA Unscripted. In 2021, Diana dared to dream big. When she founded the Goddess Mercado, 
and the Queer Mercado Nonprofit Collectives. Its mission is to create safe market spaces for youth to express themselves creatively and gain lucratively with the support of the local community and schools. In addition, her organization promotes entrepreneurship to help redress the inequities that underrepresent Latin women, youth, and the LGBT community, phased by assisting the market vendors with branding, logo, graphic design, mobile boutiques representation, marketing, etc. The Queer Mercado is featured in the Los Angeles Times, LA Taco, the L List, and the East Sider, and was highlighted in Fred Siegel's Guide to LA for Pride Month. Diana lives in El Sereno and works in East Los Angeles as a school counselor. She also sits on the board of East Los Angeles Art Walk and in the marketing nonprofit. Mexi Crafts products are available at Museum in Latin America, La Plaza de Cultura y Arte, Casita del Pueblo in Uptown Whittier, Mercadito Monarda in Pasadena, and Adelita's Revenge in Long Beach, and the Plus Bus Highland Park. In 2010, Diana Diaz was awarded Counselor of the Year by Mayor Villarregosa, Partnership of Los Angeles Schools for her work as a school counselor at Roosevelt High School. Her work with the Goddess Mercado has been recognized by Councilwoman Hilda Solis and Councilwoman Monica Rodriguez and the County Board of Supervisors. And on May 30th, 2022, Diana was invited by Hilda Solis to be the keynote at the Breakfast Power Hour for Women's History Month to speak about her entrepreneurial journey at the Breakfast Power Hour. Diana has also been the keynote speaker at the New Economics for Women and Central City Neighborhood Partners. Hola, Diana, ¿cómo estás? Gracias por estar aquí. It's an honor, and I know you have a lot of stuff that you're going to share with us. So to start off, a ver, tell us about yourself, and then, you know, we'll get into the good stuff. All right. But first of all, I want to thank you, Amapola, for inviting me to be on your podcast. It's such an honor and a privilege to be able to share with you such an amazing Chicana power social worker my journey and my story. I'm more than happy to share. Thank you. So uh, my name is Diana Diaz. I'm um, the founder of Mexi Chic Crafts, a luxury leather line. And actually, I, I introduce myself always as the first Chicana luxury leather designer from East LA. Yes. And that's because I Googled one. I Googled who's the first Chicana luxury. I couldn't find one. I was like, I'm claiming that. Yes. I claimed it. And um, I'm also the founder of the Goddess Mercado. It's a nonprofit collective of all Latina women in East LA and the Queer Mercado. And it's a um, outdoor collective of all queer vendors popping up in East LA. It's the first permanent family queer marketplace in East LA, in LA, I think. So I'm very happy that we're there. I'm very proud of the work that we're all doing. And... um, that's why I'm here to share my story, my journey. That is so awesome. I love the fact that you're like, wait a minute, the Chicana and like, you're like, I'm on it. Yeah. You say that because I can relate to that. I'm like, is there a Chicana therapist? Chicana <laughs> podcast? I'm like, hey, I'm on it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I, I realize I'm also a school counselor. 
and and I worked at LAUSD already 29 years as a teacher, as a counselor, and um, in East LA. I, I always tell everybody when I share my story, because I worked at the local, all the four local high schools. I worked at Wilson. I, I went there. I worked at Roosevelt as a counselor. I worked at Torres, and now I'm at Garfield. And I tell everybody, I feel like I was part of a longitudinal study, but um, because I, I went to school here and I stayed here and I'm working here and my son's going to school here, but um, working in, in my neighborhood, I realized that um, when I started displaying artifacts in my office and, and I went on a trip to Mexico, I bought with pilas and I wore them all fashionable to, to work. This was not even that long ago, maybe 15 years ago. Uh, the kids at particularly Roosevelt were like, Nessa, you make Ghana, you know, you look white, even though I have like an East LA accent, you know, they couldn't tell. And like, yeah, you know, I'm Chicana. And they're like, no way, you're not embarrassed. And I was so surprised to get this kind of reaction with some from some students. And I realized that some of them were still experiencing shame and there was just not a lot of representation of who we are that a lot has changed since then. Like um, I, I credit a lot that the day of the dead it was just a beautiful celebration. It was only a matter of time before it would take off and be marketed everywhere. It's like, it's like a Christmas, right? Everybody's in costume and celebrating. It's so beautiful. But um, I, I felt with that experience, I felt that there was a very strong need of me to represent my roots. I liked the reaction that the kids had and it inspired me. I was like, yeah, I'm Mexicana, you know, and I would wear trenzas and flowers and we piles and, you know, started doing the whole, um, um, uh, this is September, any excuse that I had to represent my culture, my trenzas, you know, my Chicanas I would do. And even that's actually what also inspired my, my line of handbags because um i like luxury although i can't afford a lot of luxury but i was buying the fancy gucci louis vuitton you know my novios me las compraban (laughs) and and they're beautiful but i thought they were so expensive and i learned the story of some of them and i learned that some are not even real leather and you know a lot of these luxury items are made in china which is okay you know but i thought you know, I want some luxury that is more representative of me and my culture and my roots and, you know, what I love. And um, I have always made handbags. I started with cloth and tapestry and velvet satins. So when when I wanted to kind of upscale my product and I had some competition with the other, I said, let me, let me try out leather. And the inspiration came from the little hand-painted bolsitas that you could buy at the border. You know, my grandma used to always, when yeah. she would visit, she would bring me a little hand-painted leather bag that was like hand-braided. And I used to love them. And I had a collection of purses. And and that was the inspiration. So I ran into a, a manufacturer in Mexico that did tooling. And that was open to working with me and, and trying out my designs and and it's my seven and a half year now working with this manufacturer. I'm learning a lot. I'm taking some risks. Some things work, some things don't. I'm having a great time. 
and <laughs> and and it has been very empowering because along my journey i've met a lot of similar a lot of women with similar experience similar passions and like we empower each other we share tips you know we're growing together and um actually being around all these women that was the inspiration for the goddess mercado wow that is so cool and i saw the purses oh my god they're so beautiful las de corazón oh my god those are so cute mi corazón yeah. i, I should have had them ready but this is this is amada this is can you see that yes amada oh that is she's, she's a crossbody and i have like brass details i gotta do the plug girl it's brass details our hand tooling it's she's fully lying with red suede and she's like a fabulous crossbody that you can you know yes. wear over your casual clothes your dressy clothes I warn you you're gonna get tons of compliments somebody yes. even ran after me at the target you know miss where'd you get your bag so oh, really? I, get, I get that a lot so I hand out my cards yeah it's, it's, that's it's a beautiful product so beautiful and for those of you who are listening to this podcast you're gonna have to go to youtube and look at the purse and the video you know because it's so it's beautiful and there's different colors and different styles so it's really unique and i love the fact that you embrace your culture and the the youth are able to see that right they asked you you know are, are you aren't you ashamed did you grow up feel like that to some extent when you were younger because I, i did Did you? Yeah, yeah, I did. I was like, hi, me gusta la ranchera, pero I can't tell people I like them. You know? <laughs> yeah, because they, they would back then, and this is so offensive, but back then, you know, they anyone that spoke Spanish, like I was called a wetback. Yeah. You know, my first language is Spanish, mm-hmm. you know, and I didn't learn English until maybe first grade. I remember starting kindergarten and I didn't know what the kids were saying, but I understood, right? You know, they wanted to be friends. We wanted to play. And I was in the bilingual classes. So it was like the, all the Spanish speakers. Yeah. And, and my teachers changed my name from Diana to Diane. And, you know, I, I all the way up to college, I was Diane. And then I took that first Chicano Studies 101 during Summer Bridge. And I walked out of class. I'm like, I am Diana Diaz, you know, and and you know, with education, with knowledge, you evolve, you embrace who you, with confidence. You start embracing a little bit more of who you really are, and and you know, that's where I'm at. I'm Chicana, you know. I'm a former street vendor. Actually, I'm a current street vendor. I'm you know, a daughter of of immigrants of, of that came from the ranchos, uneducated, ignorant. And, you know, I'm very proud of it because this is who I am now. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a school counselor. I'm a founder. I'm a creator. I, I, I'm a CEO of a nonprofit that is helping elevate women, queer, and Latinidad in the community. So um, I, I feel a lot of confidence. And I know that as a counselor and as an educator, that sharing my story has the ability to inspire um, a lot of the people that I work with specifically the youth who happen to be our best investment right yeah oh my god as you're speaking I feel the confidence in you I feel that <laughs> passion and that desire of like continuing to open these paths right for you those who are behind us and that doesn't mean that they're less it's just like 
we're older, right? We're like a little older generation than the youth. And it's just amazing. And, you know, como dicen, Dios nos pone en los lugares apropiados because it's meant to be, right? Um, and so where are your parents from? My dad is from Jalisco, from a little town, Ayutla. And my mom is from Sinaloa, mm. from Wasabe. So oh. she's Norteña and he was Sureño. And I grew up with a lot of mariachi, a lot of banda, tamborazo, corridos, you know. And I would hear the rivalry and competition between my parents. And I love both. I love the romance and heartbreak of the mariachi, you know, and all the instruments. And I like the loud, you banging from the tamborazo. And my my uncles were all musicians. And, and you know, now that I'm old, even though maybe during my college years, I was all like, you know, fabulous. I was going to clubs and all Americana, right? You know, as I got older and I started really appreciating my parents, that music became very nostalgic. And I enjoy listening to, to banda in the morning and, you know, mariachi at night when I'm feeling romantica and boleros and all that. And I prefer Spanish music over English, you know. Same here. Same yeah. here. It's different. I think speaking the language in Spanish and reading in Spanish is so different. Como corazón, like, you know. It's like, <laughs> it's like, it's very romantic and sexy, you know. See, if a man speaks to me in Spanish, you know, oh my God, it's it's more powerful than if, than if it was in English, specifically um, a handsome man. Um, and, and also I think Spanish, you know, I was listening to a lady that translates and she's like, you know, like, can you guys please slow down when you speak? Because um, we use so many more words to translate Spanish. Like, yeah. you know, to say one thing, you use like four words. And I thought, oh, my God, how beautiful, how expressive, you know. So. Colores, pues, también. Sí, you know, it's, it's romantic. Yeah, that is really nice. So um, what got you into becoming um, a school counselor and then obviously entrepreneur? Because, you know, it sounds like you're multi-gifted. And that is just amazing. Like, cause, and everything kind of meshes in together, like, perfectly. So. What made you want to be a school counselor? Uh, la necesidad. <laughs> no, you know, I, I grew up vending and in sales, and I've always been really good at sales. But, you know, like my experience was limited. You know, I wasn't going to cut it with just making purses and popping up. So um, I had to go to college. It was not an option. My parents, you know, did implant that in me. So I went to college and... I tried being a teacher because I was like, oh, that's perfect. I'll have summers off. I can be a mom, you know, and it's actually perfect for someone who wants to start a family, right? Because you're on vacation the time with your kids. But being a teacher is so challenging. It's so difficult. I found that I had very little support, the support that I needed, you know, and, and I was on emergency credential. They just threw me in the classroom. And aside from it being scary, it was like difficult for me to manage. And um, I appreciate teachers. I love teachers, but I knew I couldn't stop, but I wanted to stay in education. So I kept going to school. You know, I thought I would be an administrator. And I used to meet with the counselors at the high school to get help for myself. 
And I really liked the counselors and their role and, and how they talk to kids and their initiatives. So um, I decided to be a counselor. And they say those who need counsel, those who need help are the ones that offer help, right? Your social worker. So um, I got my first job as a counselor here in East LA. And uh, I, I found great passion for it. I was even awarded counselor of the year by Mayor Villaraigosa's partnership for Los Angeles schools. It was something that I was so proud of because I'm from the community. I was, I went to school here. My parents are still here. My neighbors, some of them were my students. You oh. know, I fell in love with the parents because I could relate. And, you know, I became an advocate. No, señora, aquí la vamos a ayudar. And no, we're going to do this. So I was advocating for, for our families and advocating for the roles of a counselor and what we needed. And I did get a lot of support and then I got some recognition and, and it, that small recognition really fueled me. I didn't think that I could be held at such a level. And then I felt accountable. So I was like, okay, let me work harder, you know, cause you yeah. know, some people may not be comfortable with it, with, with the attention or, or, you know, even though I'm humbled, you know, like my sister would say, I volada. I'm like, well, it's a big deal being recognized at Counselor of the Year. It's a big responsibility. I don't want to lose that title again. Let me do a good job. Yeah. So I, I continue working as a PSA counselor. And um, now I'm a part-time counselor at Garfield. The, the principal is working with me so that I could run the um, nonprofit part-time. And I'm also very appreciative of the, the principal at Garfield High School because Garfield is the pride of East LA and, you know, him hiring me to lead parenting groups. And I also teach self-development and empowerment uh, series in the ninth and 10th grade classrooms. And I go in there and I, and I pump them up and I talk to them about how to earn straight A's about, about anti-bullying and that it comes from home. It's a reflection of home about self-care for teens, healthy relationships, and I'm so passionate about it because it is my community. Yeah. These are the kids that I run into at the market. These are the kids that I run to at the CVS, you know, you know, like I, I like being held accountable because I tell everybody, it makes me want to behave. <laughs> I, you know, as you're speaking, I just think about the Chicano movement, right? How there was that impact of Chicanos back in the 60s to empower the barrios, right? Yeah. And it's in that, in them, it was in them to be able to say like, uh-uh, wait a minute, we see a difference here. You know, what's going on? Our barrios need support. And I think for me personally, as a Chicana, I think like, you know, it, I know being a Chicana is a chosen identity, right? Because I know some people don't like to be called Chicanos because they think it's gang related. Obviously, you know, it's not. The culture, right? Wearing the Cholito <laughs> clothing is a culture. But um, I think that when you're saying, you know, this is my community, these are the kiddos that I'm empowering, you know, with wisdom and knowledge, right? Because it could too different wisdom and knowledge but when you give them both it's just amazing um and you're impacting your community and i hope so i hope so actually i know so and and i i like that accountability and it's so fascinating 
you you made me remember something you know because as a counselor we used to meet with the kids and we used to kind of target kids for dressing like cholos mm -hmm. and you can't you know everyone knows what a cholo looks like so yeah. I would talk to the parents because I really genuinely wanted to help the parent I would say senora why are you letting your kid dress like a cholo and the singer is like he's not a cholo I'm a, yes he is look at the way he's dressed and one mother told me miss diaz she said i'm a single mom you know i sell food down the street all i could afford is payas paderes mm -hmm. and she told me the packs of shirts are three for ten and my boys are clean and and they're they wash their clothes daily and they smell like downy and you know and no one can tell me anything and i feed them the best that i could right. i was like shoot so that cholo style in our neighborhood yeah. that's out of necessity they work worker man's clothes they're wearing clean clothes that they could afford you know this mom couldn't afford fubu or whatever was in style but that like stayed with me you know like and and i never brought that up because i realized all these kids that i was working with you know, they're shopping at the swap meet, you know, at the at the calcetin lady that opens her van, you know, like this was the experience. And instead of me shaming them, I have to empower them and be an example because that's how we lead and mentor, you know. So I got over that style. And in fact, I embrace it. You know, I had a, a chola birthday party at my house and we talked about the history of the chola and the toughness that the woman had to recreate in order for her not to be bullied by other women or by her own brothers or her own neighborhood, you know, we had to look tough. And you know, the style is kind of tough. It's even on Paris on Paris Fashion Week, you know, come on. There you go. Yes, definitely. So, you know, you share working with the youth and um when you became because you were a vendor, right? And yeah. how did that journey, how did you start? Um, with that, I know you mentioned your abuelita, you know, getting, oh, yeah. up, you know, but well, I, when, when I needed more money, cause being a teacher and counselor, that's not enough money. So mm -hmm. I needed a side hustle and my parents taught me how to work, how to make money, you know, and, and no, um, and not to ask for government help. My dad would say, you're not sick. You know, you're not homeless. You're not, you know, you have a family, you're going to get to work. And they implanted it as we, they never applied for welfare only. I qualified for financial aid, obviously. But other than that, I learned to work early. I knew how to make stuff. I knew how to cook. I did, I used to blow up balloons and parties. I used to make clothes for my friends because I'd learned apparel construction from my family. I, you know, would make blankets and pillows. When I was in high school, I loaded up my car. I would drive out to Riverside and sell it and swap made me like 16 year old by myself. My dad was like, andale. You know, and, and I would vend that Maro Swami. So I did it because that's how I knew how to make money. And I'm ambitious and I want to have more things, a better quality of life. And 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 um, I knew I needed money. So that's how I did it. I was living at home with, you know, unfortunately, you know, because I'm from East L.A. The, uh, in the 90s, it was really drug infested. There was crack, pen, you know, it was a. It was an illness that was rampant in my neighborhood. And my older brother uh, was, you know, he felt to crack. And I was living with, with, he was living with us and it was a nightmare. And um, he was stealing from us and, you know, including our 
Christmas gifts. And it was just a nightmare living there. And I was paying rent. And, and I told my mom, mom, you cannot let Chava come back here. You know, he's, he's terrible and I'm paying rent. This is not, you know, right. And she told me, you know, if you don't want to live here, te vas. Vete. You don't need me. He needs me. And she's like, but you can't leave this house unless you get married oh. or, you, or you buy a house. Yeah. And I was dating this boyfriend. I was out of love with him, but I wasn't about to marry him. And I was like, freaking, I'm going to buy a house. And I drove down the street from my mom's house. And the first house I saw, I bought it. But back then they were a little more affordable, but I wasn't making the money. So I was like, well, I got to get to work. So I started popping up again. And this time, you know, I had a home. I had a slightly larger network. I had some resources. The experience was different and I enjoyed it. Yeah. Then I got married and, and I stopped. And when I started having problems in my marriage, my only outlet is like, I was parting it up. I was being all borracha, you know, I was being all vaga and it was very toxic. So I, I resorted back to the vending so that I could do something fun, productive, and, you know, not be toxic. And that's how I went back to vending, you know, with, with more recently with the leather. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. I know. Yeah, that's how old were you when you had your son? I was 34. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I joke, this is funny, and I hope it's not inappropriate, but my mom was like, ¿Qué, ¿Por qué vas y vendes bolsas? Ya tienes trabajo. You know, you're already a teacher, and your husband says, Why are you selling bags? And, and I told her, Why well, I need money? And I told her, ¿Qué quiere que venda mis nalgas? <laughs> you know, like, I, lucky for me, I had a skill. My parents taught me a skill that I didn't have to resort to doing other things in order to get money. And that's what I did. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, what's sustaining me now, what's yeah. getting me through. It's been a blessing that's that I learned all that, the skills and, and ability from my parents. El dinero honrado. Bien. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And nothing wrong against selling your nalgas. Sometimes, you know, now that I under, now I understand, you know, some, Kids are being dragged into it and that's all they learn. That's all they know. And it's terrible, you know, and I learned that I can't shame anybody. I can't judge, you know, but what we have to do as leaders, as social worker, as counselor is talk about these things that are happening so that we can start investing in the kids and create opportunities for them so that they don't have to engage in this, you know, risky behavior. Yeah. And, and I'm happy to talk about it. Yeah, no, definitely. Like you said earlier, it starts in the home. Yeah, right. it starts in the home. I tell the kids, when I tell them, you are a reflection of your home. So if you come and bully kids here, it's probably happening in your home. Yeah. I said, but your parents don't have time or resource to do counseling or therapy or empowerment or education, but you do. So you be the change in your family. And the kids, you know, they look at each other, they point it to it's you. It's you know, like they, they hold each other accountable. Mm -hmm. And, and that's why I like in there going in there talking about it. And I tell them, you have the ability to change the behavior and not just impact your home, but our school, our community and future generations. The responsibility is yours, just like it was for me. You know, I go in there all gung ho, you know, like kind of preaching to them. I'm so fortunate that I'm able to deliver that message and that I get 
great feedback and reception from the kids. They like it. Yeah, that's good. I can totally see that them respecting you and really taking it because you're telling it as it is, like with compasión, pero bien directa, no? Yeah, with love. You yeah. Know? yeah. And I tell them, I love you. And the kids are like, how could you love me if you don't even know me? I said, I love you. And that's why I'm here. Because mm -hmm. the more you practice loving, the easier it gets. Yes. And, you know, I, I told a couple of kids that. And sometimes I'm walking around the school and they're like, miss, I love you. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> I love that. It feels really good, you know, to be able to touch yeah. someone in that way, impact them. Porque muchos because of generational traumas y la pobreza y la necesidad se pierde a veces ese momento right to be like se me olvidó le dije que le dije a mi hijo mi hija que la quiero hoy I mean sometimes they're just on survival mode they don't yeah. and and I had one mom because I give the same workshop to the parents mm -hmm. I had one mom that told me Miss Diaz you no puedo decir eso I can't say I love you wow. she said it's too powerful my kids already know I love them And I told her, yeah, they know, but we need to hear it. We need to hear it. And the more you say it, the easier it gets for the kids to, you know, say it back to you. And saying it out loud, it, it also holds you accountable. If I'm saying I love you, I have to show you that I love you. Yeah. My behavior has to show you and demonstrate that I really do. And and um, I'm trying. Yeah. Yeah. That's really nice. Thank you for what you do because it's so needed. And Thank you for what you do. You know, we need it. We need more platforms to share our stories, to get support. Most definitely. I totally agree. And earlier you were, you were saying the word ambition, right? You're ambitious. Yeah. What do you think about mujeres, right? That, you know, growing up with with parents they're like tienes que ser humilde tienes que ser humilde don't be so ambitious money's not everything you know what do you think about that i think that it's fear and shame you know and and uh, being uh, afraid to stand out and and our our culture there's so much um guilt right the catholicism no offense to catholics but it, it's hard to come out of that You know, and, and like, <laughs> and I laugh now because that's all I could do, laugh at my experience. But my mom used to tell me, ah, if el día que tenga sexo, te lo voy a mirar en los ojos. And, you know, she told me I was going to go to hell. I was like, I waited my whole life. You know, I was like, oh, my God, I'm not going to go to hell. I had all this guilt, all this shame. I was, I would cover up and, you know. And if I had felt any desire, I felt all this guilt. And and now that I'm older, and I told my mom, now that I'm older, I said, Mom, the first time that I had sex, I walked in the through the house. I couldn't look at you. <laughs> I couldn't look at you in the eye. And then un día me miraste and nothing happened. And that's when I knew you were a liar. I told you. <laughs> yeah, they couldn't so much. Oh, like all this guilt and all that guilt and shame, I think it keeps you from growing and evolving. Yes. And I think the best thing that families can do is be open. And I tell moms now, you know, your kids want to talk about sex and drugs and all those things that are shameful. Are you going to go and learn and talk to moms and join a group and empower yourself 
So you could have this conversation. Are you going to have those kids from other homes that have trauma educate your child? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and even though it's uncomfortable for you, I don't want to talk about it with my son, but I have to. And the more I've done it, the more comfortable I am, the easier it gets. And, and our, our, our relationship, you know, has forged a lot stronger and, and I'm more comfortable with it. And I'm more comfortable with empowering other mothers, you know. Yeah, those sensitive topics are definitely needed, right? Most. Yes. So tell us about El Mercado um, and the Goddess Mercado and the Queer Mercado founder. Like what? And Dino, because it's so awesome. I love it. I love the names. <laughs> well, because I'm so big about my community and, you know, these I told you these women that I met in my entrepreneurial journey, popping up, sharing stories, you know, and I got a little wimona. I didn't want to be driving far everywhere. And and I thought, you know what? I, I wish I had a market in my neighborhood where if I forgot something, I could just go back really quick because that would always happen to me. And my mom could see me and my neighbors, you know, I could be with community because that was my experience growing up in the swap meet, you know, vending. We were community. We would go to each other's parties. We would you know, hang out, you know, I dated one of the boys at the swap meet, you know, it was cool. (laughs) So I recruited women that I knew products that I liked. And I popped up at a local um, parking lot, like a block away from my house. And I paid the owner of the parking lot, a friend of mine, and we had a great time and everyone came out. And then all of a sudden the owner was like, you got to charge double. I was like, I'm not going to charge double. I, I forced some of the girls. I was like, get over here. Put a sticker on that and let's sell. I was like, because that's my approach. I wasn't going to do that to my friends. I felt terrible. I'm not going to profit off of my friends. I'm going to profit off of my work, my product. So I left. And then it happened again. And these guys were like, come on, raise the price. You're charging too cheap. You need to get paid. And, and you know, we're going to give you money. I'm talking like that because that's the way they talk to me. Oh, like salesman. I was like, no, you're crazy. I'm not going to do that. And and I didn't like the way they were treating me, you know, because, you know, they were men. And and um, in fact, one of the guys, he yelled at me. And it, I was so upset about it. I couldn't believe that I got yelled at, you know, me doing all these things like with the heart. And I called him and I told him, you know what? This isn't sitting well with me. And I'm asking you for a favor. Please talk to me the way you want any man to talk to your daughter. Mm, yeah. <laughs> he didn't like that. And he told me, you know what? From now on, you can you can deal with my partner, not me. He didn't want to deal with it. I was too yeah. strong for him. So I kept bouncing around till I realized, you know, like, okay, I got to run this market, you know, with the girls. Mm-hmm. I engaged them. And we agreed that we were all going to be volunteers to support each other and, and empower each other. And and I committed to being a volunteer so that I could keep the vendor fee low because I even recruited former students of mine. Oh, really? I had a girl that, that, that she was a beekeeper, the youngest registered beekeeper in California, who you have to have on your podcast. Okay. And, and she would come and bring me honey for my birthday because she's in the neighborhood. That's the benefit of living in your neighborhood, right? Working with the kids. And it was such great honey. And I would run out, she'd deliver it. And I start the market. I was like, Anai, put a sticker, a label on that shit and get out here. We need it. And homegirl has a crew. 
She's popping up everywhere. She's in boutiques. She was in the newspaper, you know, and, and I feel so proud of that because that's the potential that each one of us has when we plant a seed, you know, into someone that we love and that we mentor, that we, that we see a strength in, you know, and, and, and it's been awesome. We grew from 13 uh, vendors to now at one point we had like 96 goddesses and and they show up in their crowns and you know and I'm learning about branding as an entrepreneur like I realized I gotta learn I gotta learn I'm leading these women you know I want to mentor them I want them to thrive because if people come for them they're gonna come for me and vice versa so yeah I started learning all these things on my own reading podcasts journaling everything and I learned that it's so important to be able to be unique, to be you, to stand out as a brand and, you know, have fun with it. And I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to have a blast. So since it's the goddess Mercado, you know, one of the girls make made little crowns so we could wear in a fashion show. We have fashion show. We have live music. We have food. Now we have a farmer's market. We're at the park. And I told all the ladies, wear your crowns. We're all goddesses. And anybody who comes here is a goddess. So if you come to our mercado, you are going to see goddesses in full regalia with their goddess gear and representing culture, Latinidad, Chicananess, empowerment, sustainability, recycling, creativity, motherhood, goddess power, goddess vibe. That's what you're going to get, girl. And I love it. And I'm addicted to it. And that's all I want to do for 24 hours, but I have to pay my bills. No. <laughs> so we need support from the community to come out, to continue inspiring us by supporting us, by, you know, bringing their young girls. A lot of young girls are coming and being inspired by us. We, we uh, sponsor any school age uh, goddess. If you have a child that has a craft or a talent who paints, draws, we give them a free booth the first time. So they can make their money. You know, that's how I started. I was like, if we, if if I would have had somebody like the goddess Mercado, the women of the goddess, when I was five, girl. Imagine, millonari. Yes. So now our community has us. And yes. we're spreading the word. And we want to involve youth. We want to empower these young ladies so that they can take care of us when they grow old. Because that's what I'm doing now. I, I provide a small stipend for a, a little old lady chola that I met at a nonprofit that I worked at. I told her, we, I need a security, join me. So oh. she, we give her a little stipend because she's on fixed income. She tallies everyone. She she welcomes everyone. She accepts the donations so that we can buy lunch for the volunteers. And she prays for us. And oh. it's very powerful. You know, it's really beautiful. you got to come and meet her, Irene, Irene Murillo. Ah, okay. Yes, definitely. When, well, I guess we'll talk about when yes. the end. Because <laughs> I'm already like, mañana voice. You're excited. It's next Saturday, uh, March 11th. And oh. it's the second Saturday of every month at the East LA Civic Center. The space was gifted to us by Supervisor Solis. Oh. So we have a permanent residency as long as we behave and the community continues to embrace us. We have our permits, our license, everything, and we're there permanently. And her hosting us there has allowed us to hire our first 
employee. And I say first because you know we're we're gonna grow. We're gonna do other beautiful things for the community. And um, on the third Saturday is the queer mercado, which is the queer friendly community, same and similar, similar concept. Oh, that is so awesome. You know, as you were sharing all this, I definitely, it took me to like, you know, when our parents um, wanted to fix something in the house and they were just like, uh, I'd just rather do it myself. I can't find that specific person that I want for this. We just yeah. have, to it. I think, you know, I don't know. I see that in you as, as well, where it's like, well, no lo vi, no lo encontré, lo voy a crear. Let me do it. Let yeah. me do it. You know, the resourcefulness that we learn from poverty, from lack of resources, from lack of access, from shame, from, you know, lack of network, you know, it requires for us to do it ourselves. And yep. that's my, I learned how to make my own clothes. You know, I, I've always loved fashion and my parents couldn't afford it and we would thrift or the church would give us money. And my dad told me, and I always thought I had great taste, right? So <laughs> my dad's like, Menaki, he's like, I'm going to show you how to make pants really easy with elastic. And I would go to downtown and buy beautiful fabrics, beautiful colors. And I would make these pants with elastic and just, it was like 80s and 90s. So I would wear the, the cable cord sweaters and the little booties. Like I, I was resourceful. And then, you know, like a chola, yeah. you know, I had to, I had to work with what I got. And, and, you know, that is our community. We're resourceful. When you go to Mexico, right. Or, or other Latin American countries. They don't throw anything away. They yes. they recycle the the jar and that's your fancy drink and the yes. furniture is made out of pallets and trash, you know, and and, and it's so beautiful that that um that culture, that resourcefulness, that the the craftiness and you know, we're OG recyclers and upcyclers. <laughs> so yeah, and it helps because you know, even like I can relate, I couldn't find anything relatable to Chicanas. And I'm like, you know what? I don't know how to start a podcast. I spent a whole Sunday just figuring it out, and I figured it out. And now it's like almost five years, and it's like, oh my God, it's great. You're doing an amazing job. I heard your podcast, I love your voice and your energy, and you sound very genuine and real. and very passionate about your Chicananess and you're empowering and that's why I'm I'm happy to be here. It's a privilege. And you're beautiful. Oh, thank you. Likewise. So much Amapola. <laughs> Qué rico nombre. Like como la flor peligrosa. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So okay. Well, I think you're creating so many beautiful things. So what are some three things? that three advice that you could share with the listeners because you know um you have so much knowledge in the entrepreneur aspect mother right as a chicana as a woman and and so many areas so what are some great takeaways that you can share one of the most important things that i've learned now that i'm older and it's so easy you know the best investment is you the best investment that you can make in terms of love, health, energy, wisdom, you know, instead of sharing that with others when you're not ready is do it for you. Focus on you. Love yourself deeply. Love yourself madly. You know, preserve yourself for you. And I'm seeing that now, like I've sacrificed a lot of time. We were talking about this before 
it's a Friday night and here we are doing a podcast mm -hmm. and I've sacrificed a lot of outings and meeting up with old friends and, you know, missing out on some cool concerts and stuff, you know, and it hurts me sometimes. Right. But I remind myself, the people who really love me will still be there when I come out of whatever phase I'm going through. And, and that's always your family. They're always there whether they like you or not, you know, because they love you. <laughs> and, and your best investment is you. Focus on you. Make those sacrifices that are going to impact your life. Those small changes daily. Surround yourself with people that inspire you to focus on you, you know, and learn from them. And that's what, you know, I'm, I'm here because you inspired me. I'm like this badass Chicana podcast. Like, I want to learn from her. Let me get to know her. Let me let me include her in my network. You're stuck with me now, girl. You're a goddess. Oh, Investment is you. Your health, your nutrition, your self-love, and especially because my dad passed away um, two years ago. And at the end, I, I, he was miserable and, and unhappy. And I, was, I would tell him, Dad, go to the gym, exercise. Don't eat that. Don't eat this. He was diabetic. And he didn't want to change. And I told him, you know what? That's very selfish of you because you're becoming an inconvenience for us. You know, and it's terrible to say this, but it's true. I told him, I love you. I'm taking time off of work. I'm bringing food. I'm paying for someone to care for you. And you can't even care for you. How selfish of you. And I learned from my dad that I don't want to be a burden on my son. And after he passed, I, I like cut back on, you know, the unhealthier stuff I was doing. I hit it hard at the gym because I don't want, if I really love my boy, I'm not going to burden him. Focus on you. The best investment you can make is, is you, especially if you love your family and others around you. The second tip, sorry that I'm long-winded. <laughs> I get very passionate about it. The yeah. second thing that, that I've learned in growing my brand and leading the, the, and mentoring the women from the Mercados is, we have to be exclusive and inclusive. Like I am a Chicana and even though I, and I'm, I am me and, and I like to be extravagant with, you know, the, the, my fixed income that I have and I want to have fun. And, you know, I want to talk about sex and youth and shamelessness and vulgarities. Those things interest me and it doesn't scare me. And, and, I don't no longer want to hold back. I am uniquely me, exclusively me. And that's what I mean by exclusive. And it's okay to be me. I don't have to fit everyone's mold, but be inclusive. I'm not going to exclude. You know, I have a lot of Salvadorian friends and we all, they always, Oh, Chicana, they make fun of me, you know, but you know, my Salvadorian friends have similar experiences as mine. And I have a lot to learn from them and I enjoy it. And, you know, I am inclusive with my Afro-Americanas and the, why my white friends and Asian friends because we have so much to learn and appreciate from each other. Be exclusive and inclusive because we, we learn and we grow. And the final thing that I tell everyone, here's my vulgarity, no huevonas. <laughs> no huevonas here. And although we have to set time for self-care, so time to relax because I have those days where I wake up with hives because I overstress myself, you know, like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a workaholic. I'm not a webona. I'm going to get up at four. I have a lot of things to do. I have a strong role as a mother. I need to get up. I need to exercise. I need to cook healthy. 
you know, I can't afford for somebody else to do it for me. So then I have to do it for me. And those webona days, I tell myself, get your ass up, webona, get to work, love yourself, empower yourself so that you could share with those you love. So no webonas. <laughs> thrive, to thrive. And yes. That, that amazing version of ourselves, right? As we continue to live this beautiful life, we're not here forever. Pero hay que dejar esta huella, ¿no? Yeah, it's important. And, and even if even if people tell you, oh, you're velada, or oh, te crees, you know what? I do. I value myself. I want to leave an impact on my son, mm-hmm. on, on, on his children. And, and it's important to share our stories and to behave and to be good and to be loving so yeah. that we can make a difference, you know, at least in one person. You never yeah. know. Exactly. It's like one person at a time. And like you said, you know, it starts with ourselves to be able to be beautiful things. So thank you so much, Dana, for sharing your heart, your passion. (laughs) I feel it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Amapola. You're very welcome. You're welcome to come back anytime. Gracias por tu tiempo, tus palabras, um, your wisdom, your dedication for the community. It is so freaking like amazing, beautifully the way you are bringing that touch of you as a community, you know, with your goddesses in, you know, the mercado. And it's just beautiful. Thank you for that. Thank thank you, goddess. So I want to make sure that you come out next Saturday, March 11th, and the second Saturday of every month from 10 to 2 p.m. It's free admission. If you, if anyone in your network wants to be a vendor, they apply on the Instagram goddess link. Follow us on Instagram at the goddess mercado at the queer mercado at the goddess mercado boutique which i didn't get to mention that will be uh, another story but look it up and you'll learn all about the goddess boutique and more importantly follow mexi she crafts with two c's so that you could see my leather line and start investing in someone that that has fabulous taste and that loves her community why not (laughs) Exactly. There you go. <laughs> Thank you so much, Amapola, for having me. I know you're very I had a great time. Yeah, me too. Thank you. And all of your links are going to be on the note section for the listeners to go and click and go follow and support and buy those beautiful purses, which I'm going to get one. <laughs> También cuando vaya. Thank you. Um, so thank you so much. So thank you, Chicanas and Latinas, for listening. Cuídense mucho, que Dios los bendiga, and stay tuned for more. Adiós. Gracias por escuchar. Thank you so much for tuning in the Chicana and Latina Moms podcast. You can find me on Instagram at Chicana underscore Latina Moms podcast. And also, don't forget to leave a review. Gracias.